0: جزاكم الله خيراً والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته.
1: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله على عباده الذي خصوصاً على الأنبياء وعلى آله الأزكياء وأصحابه الأتقياء أما بعد. In our previous class, we were uh, discussing the narration of Mu'adh ibn Jabal uh, He was with Rasulullah and he had a moment of learning from the Prophet alayhi How Nabi alayhi wasalam, took each individual into consideration while addressing their questions and guiding them. And the part that we focused on in that particular riwayah was how at the end of it, Rasulullah um, he said to him, to not share what he had learned from the Prophet of Allah with others. That what I've told you in this moment, keep it to yourself. However, Mu'ad ibn Jabbul before passing away, then shared that narration of Rasulullah Wasallam with others, so that that knowledge would not be lost, out of fear of being held accountable for hiding and concealing knowledge. And the last discussion we had was how not everything is for everyone. How not every conversation every person needs. It's healthy to be told sometimes that this is not appropriate for you. Today's internet world is such that every small detail, every issue, of every nuance and every ikhtilaf is spilled onto the internet. So now you have naive young minds who many of, do not even know the basics and fundamentals of their deen, are distracted from learning what they need to know, and are now focusing on this new soap opera, soap opera drama business, where this scholar put this video out, and that guy is going to make a refutation, and then this person is going to write, a, you know, do a video or write an article, blog or whatever it is that they're going to point out, put out, and it becomes a whole, a whole season of just back and forth, and people are just feening and consuming this, waiting for the next refutation, next refutation there was a young man who was very close and dear to me in his uh, mid-teens. He approached me once and I was with him and he started telling me about, it. he said, "Shikh, what is your opinion on this? And he told me about something that happened on the internet. And then said, you know, after that guy wrote this, this guy did a video and that guy did a refutation. And then you know those random people who decide to do their videos that have nothing to do with anything, but they're kind of doing the tash- sharah of what's happening for the dummies. <laughs> People who don't know what's going on in the drama, they give you the update, that this is the khulasah of the new drama going on right now. The TLDR people. So he was giving me the whole, you know, all the detail of everything. Someone very dear to me. So he said to me then at the end, so uh, what, what do you think about this? What's your opinion? So I said to him, my opinion is you need to leave the internet and focus on your a'mal. Be regular in the masjid build a relationship with Allah, focus more on your Dhikr. All these things that these people are talking about, Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask you of any of them on the Day of Judgment. These are, as we call it, Fuzul bathe. These are extra things. You need to focus on yourself. Because ultimately Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask you about your A'mal. And I say to those dua'at and those scholars as well, respectfully and humbly, I am in no position to advise anyone other than myself, but just a piece of advice for us all, that this is very inappropriate. To have to be having intricate conversations that are purely academic in nature in front of an audience that may not have the fundamentals of their deen town. The Jum'ah Futbah is not a place to create confusion. The online arena is not a place to create confusion either. Rasulullah addressing the crowds, he kept in mind who he was addressing, who he was talking. And therefore you find that in the jama' khutbah, generally speaking, the content was around spiritual development. As a result of that, the shafi'is and uh, their madhhab necessitated the statement, ittaqullah from the khatib that in order for the khutbah to be complete, there must be an encouragement of consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that that is a fundamental of the khutbah because it was so regular in the khutbah of Rasulullah There are some discussions that happen from here, from the mimbar and Mahab and then there are other discussions that happen not here, they need to happen in classrooms and the people that are in those classrooms need to be, you know, appropriate for the conversations that are occurring there So this is very important, what our shaykh would say that one of the most amazing things about Rasulullah was his Mardam Shanasi, understanding individuals, seeing who is capable of what and what their capacity is. Not overestimating, neither underestimating someone. Therefore, when you speak to them, your words affect their heart, right? So, as we continue this discussion, how Nabi spoke to individuals, the rahma shares some narrations. He narrates a riwayah of Ahmad in his Musnad, from Abdullah bin Amr bin Al We were once sitting with Rasulullah and a young person came. may I kiss my spouse while I'm fasting? Faqala la Nabi Sallallahu wa said, No. an old man king. May I kiss my wife while I'm fasting? What did Rasulullah say to the second person? No. The companions say that we started looking at each other. That Clearly there was a contradiction there. A young person came and asked, me, I kiss my wife while I'm fasting? The Prophet Allah said, no. Then another person came and he said, yes, in the same gathering. Rasulullah Qad alimtu lima I know very well why you looked at one another. Inna yamliku he said the older man will be able to control his desire and the kiss won't turn into anything beyond that. As for the younger person, he may not be able to control himself. This is farsightedness. Where you're giving a ruling that the truth is if you ask a faqih, a jurist, what is the ruling of kissing your spouse while fasting, by consensus, they will say it is not from the by consensus. There's no on this. Everyone will say this does not nullify the now is it makruh or not? Well that depends on the individual. In some cases it's disliked because it may lead to something that will invalidate the career, uh, the fast, intercourse, or in other cases it may not be because there's confidence that these people are in a better place and they will be able to control themselves. So not every ruling should be shared with every individual, and you need to keep in mind who you're talking to. Similarly he narrates hadith, um, from Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim, rahimahullah, and From Abdullah bin Amr bin As, Um He says, "Jā al-rājuna lill-Nabī sallallahu alayhi wasallam yastadhi nuhu fi jihad A person came to the Prophet sallallahu seeking permission to go in jihad. Everyone was going for war. He said, "You know what? I want to go too. I want to knock someone's teeth out." Fāqāra aḥyūn wālidak? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi sallam asked, "Are your parents alive?" Qāl He said, "Yes." Then go and do jihad in your parents. Here jihad is being used literally, not technically. Here Rasulullah is saying, Now go and strive in serving your parents. Bear in mind, this wasn't the advice that was given by Rasulullah Wasallam to other sahaba. Other sahaba came to join the army. Of course, we need you. But this young person came and Rasulullah Wasallam gave a different you know, response to him. To this... The ulama They write that it's very possible that Rasulullah telling him to not go in jihad was due to the Prophet of Allah knowing his family circumstances. That his parents may have needed him. His parents would appreciate his presence. Therefore, he taught him to prioritize that jihad will come for you when the time is right. Right now, prioritize and go to your parents. How Rasulullah is giving advice to the individual. Similarly, a narr- the next narration is also from Abdullah bin Amr bin may Allah narrated by Imam Muslim. إلان- الله الله a person came to the Prophet of Allah. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That I want to do hijrah and jihad. Two things. I want to give allegiance to your hand and be committed to hijrah, moving from one place to another place. And jihad to go on the battlefield. Is there anyone alive from your family? He said yes, both of them are alive. Mom and dad are both living. The Prophet said, And you are still looking for a reward from Allah? Question mark. Like, you want reward from Allah? He said, Yes. Then go back to your parents and serve them. Take care of them. Your ajr is right in front of you. And this is another beautiful lesson that sometimes we may look for exotic, difficult things to do to earn our Jannah. While in reality, paradise lies right in front of our eyes. It lies in the easier things. People will go to shayyukh and say, Can you please give me some tongue twister, malakuth Jabarut dhikr, that I will do and in return earn my Jannah. And when the shaykh says, that, you know, as Salat li-waktiha, is prayer, salah, and time and uh, make time for your dhikr and salawat, they say, this is no good shaykh, we want the real shaykh. Because they're not happy with the, the fundamentals that were given to us by Rasulullah So the reality of such a person, unless they change their attitude to the deen, is that they will continue to search for something that in reality doesn't exist. And whatever it is they're searching for will not deliver them to anything meaningful. Rasulullah sallallahu teaches the Sahaba, stick to the fundamentals. This is where your growth is. If you've ever played a sport or, I don't know, if you're into jiu-jitsu like some of us are, or um, I don't know, any other form of art, whether it's archery or even firing a firearm, one thing you'll notice is that as you progress in your journey, in your sport, in your art, if you have a good instructor, the one thing they'll keep saying to you is, focus on the fundamentals. And you could literally be at level 100, 10 years later in that field, I'm telling you as someone who enjoys Jiu-Jitsu, jiu- 10 years later, I remember I would go to my coach and I would say, how do I modify this position? And he would say, focus on the fundamentals. And it reminded me of the teachings of Rasulullah Wasallam that he always brought everyone back to the fundamentals. That focus on the fundamentals. That's where the benefit is. So then he says, abdul Fatah." This is what is known about the Prophet Muhammad. The Prophet told that person to focus on his parents, even though we know that in other narrations, Rasulullah emphatically um, encouraged the companions to go for hijrah and to take on the gruesome and difficult yet courageous task of jihad even though those fadail and those virtues exist for hijrah and jihad rasulullah is telling them you need to focus on your parents sallallahu fa so the nabi sallallahu observed the questioner very carefully and he saw that in his life Obedience and khidma service to his parents, was what needed attention. And this is important for um, teachers, too, that you focus on the student, the individual, not just in terms of answering their questions, but what they need. Sometimes a student will say to you, that, Sheikh, I have a break coming up. Uh, what are some extra readings that I can do during my break? And the teacher may say, no reading for you, take a break, go meet your family, do not pick up a book, relax, get away from your studies. Because that's what that student needs, otherwise they'll face full-blown burnout. And other times the teacher will say, no, instead of reading something new, why don't you revise something else? Sometimes the teacher will say, just focus on your parents. Other times they'll say, go, to, go get a job while you're on break so you can earn some money and lessen the burden from your parents. The teacher should have an intimate relationship and connection with the student where they understand them. One student comes late to class, the teacher may say nothing because they understand that that student is carrying the burden of the world on their shoulders. Another person doesn't come early enough for class, the teacher may scold them. You only came five minutes early, you should have been here one hour earlier. Why is that? Because, Parikh person, no marriage, no children, no job, no nothing, and still coming only five minutes before class? This is not appropriate. You should come way earlier, right? So there are, يختلف بإختلاف الأحوال as we say, that the ruling actually is dependent on the individual. And that must be taken into consideration when you are dealing with human beings because at the end of the day, we are human beings. Everyone has their own challenges. He says there are many other examples of this. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam answering the companions and guiding them based off of their individual needs. Similarly, continuing this principle, how Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa took the individual into consideration. Now he says, when we look at those scenarios where the people... So we, the earlier examples, just so we can differentiate earlier narrations were about Rasulullah answering questions or guiding people. The second set of narrations are to do with someone asking the Prophet Sallallahu for explicit advice, advising me what to do here. The third set of examples that are going to come after this are going to be where someone asked Rasulullah which is the best of deeds, that specific question. And when people ask Rasulullah for advice, he didn't give everyone the same advice. This is important. Someone comes to you, you know, um, I need to get my life straight. What should I do? You say to that person, go 40 days to be Another guy comes, I'm struggling in my marriage. What do I do? 40 days to be Jamaat. One guy says, I have a heart attack. I'm really sick. What do I do? 40 days to Jamaat. The there is no one solution to everything. Every person has a different solution. To one person, you may tell them that, tabi'ir is what you need to do, buddy. You need to get away from this busy life and go spend some time in the Masjid, in the path of Allah. maal, You know, you go and sacrifice for the sake of Allah, Allah will put khayr and barakah in your life. To another person, you may say, buddy, you need to take a break from this and maybe more of an Umrah type person, send this person an Umrah. Another person, another prescription. You know, every person has their own prescription. You have to learn to guide people to different paths. Um, The the nuance of the human being can never go missing. There is no such thing as one one size fits all when it comes to human beings, specifically dealing with their solutions. And the people who think that one size does fit all in all situations and circumstances fail to understand that human beings differ in their physical capacity. One person is capable of standing and praying, so Sharia says do that. Another person isn't capable, so Sharia says sit down and pray. Another person, will, person is incapable of sitting, so the Sharia says, lie down and pray. Earlier today I was on a conversation, I was having a conversation with one of my students over the phone, and he was describing to me uh, certain pains, physical pains that he experiences. And he said, Sheikh, what do I do about these pains? And I said, Well, from a medical perspective, I have no advice. But from a spiritual, religious perspective, don't let your pain define you and make you walk away from your ibadah. You will need to adjust yourself. You will need to adjust yourself. And regardless of whatever you end up agreeing is physically appropriate for you, it may be that you have to lie down flat with your mouth shut and do dhikr with your heart. Maybe that's what you need to do. But whatever you do agree upon physically where your body can bear, what I need from you is consistency. You have to make sure you do that every single day. Right? Your legs hurting today, adjust. Sharia does that. That's the beautiful of it. That's the beauty of it. For those of you who have studied Usul al fiqh the principles of Islamic law, uh, they, the, the, the fuqaha talk about this, that when things become narrow and difficult, sharia opens up, creates an opening for people. So now we look at some of these advices of Rasulullah The first one is narrated by Imam Ahmad al-Tirmidhi, rahimahullah ta'ala, from Abu Dhar al-Ghifari, radiyallahu anhu. The interesting thing about this particular narration, Imam Nawwi narrates it in his Arba'een. This is one of the narrations from the Arba'een of Imam Nawi. When Imam Nawwi narrates his hadith, he narrates it from two companions. Like the author here is narrating it from Abu Dharr al-Ghifari an, And then he also narrates it from Mu'adh ibn Jabal anhu. The interesting thing is both of these companions independently narrate this hadith. They did not hear it at the same time. This is important. Both of these companions did not hear this hadith at the same time. I explained this issue and this context while teaching the Arba'in we from our masjid. So the recordings are online, you can benefit if you'd like and understand the backdrop to the riwayah. They both heard it at separate points, and they both say, this was the last advice we heard from Rasulullah They both say, this was the last advice we heard from Wasallam. So, in this riwayah of Abu Dhar Al khifar radiallahu anhu قلت يا رسول الله أوسني. I said, "O oh, Messenger of Allah, advise me." So, the Prophet gives advice specific to him. قال اتق الله ما كنت واتبع وخالق الناس بخلق Be conscious of Allah wherever you are. Remember that your Allah is with you, regardless of whether you're in school, sitting in the masjid, at work, at the dinner table. You have to learn to understand. This reality that your Allah is always with you. And as you come closer to that realization, mark my words, a stillness will overcome you. An excitement will enter into the heart. This is a result of the Ruh celebrating you coming closer to the purpose of your creation. That Ah finally Faiz is waking up. This is the truth. The Ruh is happy that. Have you noticed that when someone talks about the mahabba of Allah, a stillness comes on the gathering? Sometimes tears swell up in the eyes, the heart speeds up a little. Someone shares a story of someone dying in sajda, your heart aches. Ah, if that was me. This in reality is your ruh pushing you and telling you, this is the way, this is the way, this is the path. dil Connect yourself to Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is why He created you. Be mindful of Allah. Be conscious of Allah wherever you are. And this is a lesson that you can learn from a very young age. Consciousness of Allah is something that you can learn from a very young age. It's not something that you have to learn as an adult. One day, my kids were saying to me about how do we deal with temptations while we're on the tablet or we're on you know a phone. How do we avoid wasting time and doing things that we're not supposed to do? And Ahmed this year, he knows, I advised them. I said, but I can give you advice on how to deal with temptation. And, you know, maybe we can put some parental app on there and help monitor and engage. But all of that is useless. Why is it useless, guys? Find a way around it. Yeah, because Amin is a smart guy. There's no app that's going to keep Amin out. Human beings are intelligent. They'll find a way, find a way around it. Right? They'll always find a way around it. The only real solution that I said to them is consciousness of Allah. خدّاك that my Allah is with me. You'll fail. You'll forget. Shaitan's doing his job, but you have to build your taqwa muscles. You have to build the the presence of Allah into your heart. وَأَتْبِعُ Follow up bad deeds with good. They will erase them. وَخَالِقِ النَّاسِ and interact with people with the best of character. The next one is the riwayah of Bukhari and Tirmidhi. So in that riwayah, we see how Rasulullah gave specific advice to Abu Dhan al-Rifa'i The next narration is from Abu Anhu, narrated by both Imam Bukhari and Imam Tirmidhi. He said a person, أَنَّ رَجْلٌ قَالَ لِلنَّبِيِ Sallallahu Alaihi O Messenger of Allah, advise me, and don't make it too long, keep it brief. That immediately you would think that's disrespectful? He should just say, advise me and walk away? Why is he dictating terms to Rasulullah So he clarifies himself, the, the questioner, لا tukfir لعلي أعيه That, O Messenger of Allah, keep it brief so I can remember it. I want to act upon this. I want this to be something that I really, really, really do. So Rasulullah response to him was, La تغضب. What did he say to him? To. لا تغضب. Generally, we translate La تغضب as do not become angry, which is correct. It's the right linguistic translation. But there's a deeper meaning behind this statement. بدر din al رحمه الله تعالى in his commentary on Sahih al-Bukhari, because this is the Bukhari narration, in his book Umdatul Qari. He quotes from allama khattabi rahimahullah the following passage. قَرَ الْخَطَّابِ مَعْنَاهُ لَا تَتَعَرَّضِ لِأَسْبَابِ الْغَضَبِ Do not become angry. What that actually means is, do not allow yourself to be in circumstances where anger overcomes you. لا تَتَعَرَّضِ لِأَسْبَابِ الْغَضَبِ وَلِلْأُمُورِ الَّتِي تَجْلِبُ الْغَضَبِ And don't be around affairs or matters that will cause you to get angry. If you know that you're someone that gets angry if you're too hungry, then eat a little food every now and then. If you know that meeting a particular person makes you angry, stay away. If you know certain circumstances make you a you know in, make you enraged, then avoid that. <laughs> because anger in itself is natural. مطبوعٌ فِي الْإِنسَانِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the human being with anger. لَا يُمْكِنُ إِخْرَاجُهُ مِنْ جَبِلَّتِهِ Therefore, it is impossible to remove anger from the human being. And neither should you remove it. It's not a good thing to remove anger. Everyone should have some anger. If someone swears at your mother, you should have anger. If someone swears at your father, you should have anger. And then he says, أو oh, or this statement لا تغضب means la taf'al ma ya'mur, ma ya'mur wa min that don't give in to the urges that come into existence when you're angry. This, this is what it could also mean that when you get angry don't give in to your anger. Don't say things, don't do things in that moment. And then رسول الله Miraran, Rasulullah kept repeating this do not get angry, do not get angry. The ulama, they say that it's possible that Rasulullah gave him this advice because there may have been complaints regarding his anger or Rasulullah observed this in it. The next narration is from Bukhari and muslim again, from Abu Hurair anna arabiyyan jaa Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ya ala amalin idha A Bedouin came and said of Rasulullah, guide me to an act that if I engage in it, uh, I will enter Paradise. Basically, uh, he basically gave him the pillars of Islam salah sakat hajj so he said oh messenger of Allah I will commit to this I will do my best I'm gonna to stick to it so there, Rasulullah gave a comprehensive advice to Abu Dharr r. Right? The second person, one specific point, more to do with character. To this third person, the fundamentals of Islam, that stick to the faraid of Islam. فَلَمَّا وَلَّى left, قَالَ النَّبِي مَنْ أَنْ يَنْظُرَ إِلَىٰ رَجْلٍ مِنْ أَهْلِ said, that whoever wishes to see someone from the people of Paradise, look at that person there. If he sticks to his statement and is committed, he will find his Jannah. The next narration is narrated by Imam Tirmidhi and also by Imam Ibn Majah from Abdullah bin Bussar So many things to do. There are so many things in Islam that I have to do that I'm overwhelmed. You guys ever feel that way? Like so many things that I need to get done. إِنَّ الشَّرَعِيَ الْإِسْلَامِ كَثْرَكَ عَلَيَّا So many things. فَأَخْدِرْنِي بِشَيْهِ أَتَشَّبَّثُ بِهِ Give me something that I can stick to. Basic, simple. So Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's advice here. يَرْحَمُكَ uh, اللَّهُ One of my favorite advices of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. One of my favorite statements. Are you guys ready? It's beautiful. You're going to know Ahmad Ahram Inshallah? Inshallah. لَا يَزَالُوا لِسَانُكَ رَطْبًا مِّن ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, advice to him was keep your tongue moist with the Dhikr of Allah that every moment of mine is just spent in your remembrance ذِكْرِ خُدًا that oh Allah, my dream is that instead of my breath your remembrance emerges from my throat. That's the state I want to be in. Nabi gives such a simple solution: Hayth, no Hayth, Nifa, sikhah, Marat, Safar, Iqamah, all of it's irrelevant. As long as you have Harat al Yaqaban and you are alert, you can do the good of Allah. You know, I say to my, uh, my, youngers, my youngest son Mahmud, because he goes to public school, that every day you have recess. When you go on the swings, see if you can dedicate 30 seconds to the remembrance of Allah. Just 30 seconds. When you go to the library, and you're picking a book, just try to remember Allah for 10 seconds. You need to learn from a young age that the remembrance of Allah is something that's a part of your life, wherever you are. Similarly, the next narration by Imam Muslim and Imam Tirmidhi, and Ibn Majah from Sufyan Ibn Abdullah Thaqafi قل لي في لا أسأل عنه بعدك. O Messenger of Allah, tell me something that I can do that I will not have to turn to anyone for guidance after this. One thing. So the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, say, قل أمنت بالله ثم That say I believe in Allah and then commit to that statement, follow through on it. In another narration of Ibn Majah, Sufyan ibn Abdullaah Thaqafi, he says, "Toldu ya Rasul hadithni bi amrin a'atasi muhihi." O Messenger of Allah, give me something that I can hold on firmly to and I can act upon. Qarul Rabbi Allah thumastaqim. The Bismillahisam said to him, "Say, my Lord is Allah, and then commit to that statement." Toldu ya Rasul Allah, ma aktharut akhfa aliyah. He then asked the second question, O Messenger of Allah, what's the one thing that you can warn me about? of myself. What's one thing I should be extra careful of? فأخذ رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بلسان نفسه ثم قال هذا Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam held his tongue and said this right here, this is what you need to watch out most for. وروا الترمذي عن عبت بن عمر رضي الله عن إمام ترمذي narrates from Uqba bin Amr رضي الله So many narrations, I'm just quickly going through them. Uqba bin Amr, by the way, each of these narrations are from the جواب Al-Kalim. I mean, we can dedicate an hour to each narration, just briefly understanding the content, not even going through it in detail, because they're packed with so much. Uqba bin Amr's narration, قلتو, this is also one of my favorite narrations, I love this narration. Um, remember this, if you can, the students especially, this is from Uqba bin Um Qala, Qultu ya Rasulullah, man He said, A Messenger of Allah. Where is salvation? How do I find salvation? Where does salvation lie? You guys know salvation? What does najat mean? Najat means How do I save myself from the fire of hell? So to that, Rasulullah said three things. Qala أَمْلِكَ عَلَيْكَ لِسَانَكَ uh, Control your tongue. وَلْيَسَعَكَ بَيْتُكَ And let your home suffice you. Right? There are many ways of understanding the statement, but one way is that, you know, try to stay at home as much as possible because it's a controlled environment. When you step out of your home and you go to the mall, you don't control what you see, what you hear. It's out of your control. And that also teaches us that our homes should be places of ibadah and worship and righteousness and piety as well. You should make a habit of reading hadith at home every night before you go to sleep. What we refer to as Tahin, that before you go to sleep, read some hadith at the bottom. And learn to cry over your sins. And hadiths <laughs> other than this topic came in which the Prophet ﷺ gave the general, the different rulings for different situations and occasions. I've explained this point already. That there are many examples of this that Rasulullah Prophet ﷺ was asked for advice, and his advice differed depending on the individual. Again, that's the main point of this chapter. Rasulullah Prophet ﷺ is speaking to individuals. ومن هذا القبيل أيضاً صلى الله عليه وسلم حول أفضل الأعمال الأعمال And similarly we have narrations, again focusing on Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم, giving um, answers to the individual based off of their questions. The question here that we're addressing is, أيو أفضل? Which deed is the best? This question was asked to Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم, he gave different answers. So now we have some narrations here too. Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim Narrate from Abdullah bin Amr ibn Aswadi allahu anhu anna rajulan sa'la Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ayyul islami khayr qala tuta'imu al-taham wa taqra'u al-salam ala man a'rafta o man lam ta'arif A person asked Nabi sallallahu Alaihi wa sallam what's the best practice of Islam? So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said two things. What are the two things he said? Number one, tuta'imu al-taham feed people It seems that if Rasulullah's advice to this person was focused on community development, building community, that you've been with the people for long, but have you really been with them? And this is an advice I give all of you here. If you ever have a dream of being an ummah, you'll need to act upon this riwayah. You have to stop walking in and out of the masjid without greeting other people and having a meal with them. Say to a person next to you, Let's grab coffee together. Invite someone over to chai to your house. I know it's awkward. I know it's weird. It's not an American thing to do. We are a very individualistic society, and to our own detriment, unfortunately. Step out of your comfort zone. You know, be a family. and then give salam to the one who you know and don't know. Similarly, the riwaya of a Muslim from Abdullah bin Amr radhiyallahu anhu. An nara tul Rasulullah. sallallahu sallam. Ail muslimin Another person asked Rasulullah, وسلم, which Muslim is the best? What did Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say? Man salim al shot guys all quiet. Muslimun. Millisanihi wayadihi. Which Muslim is the best? The one who other people are safe from his hands and his tongue. That's the best one. And people they people they read this hadith, and what's the first thing they say? When people read this hadith, they say, Nabi sallallahu said, you have to be kind to Muslims. I don't have to be kind to non-Muslims. Because he said, Al-man min wa So Shaykh Al Fattah Abu Ghudah, Taala he points out the flaw in this statement. And he says that, uh, it seems to me that there should be a greater emphasis on giving safety and security and peace to non-Muslims. Why is that? It, this is because Rasulullah sallallahu in one hadith said that the one who violates the right of a dhimmi specifically, I will deal with him on the day of judgment. He'll have to face me. So Shaykh al Al-Fatah says that. And think of it from a point of dawah. Muslims say, "I won't cheat." Muslims will cheat non-Muslims. Is this what our deen teaches us? Is this the example of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam? The next narration from Bukhari al Muslim again. Um, from Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu. Sui'il al Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ayyul a'mali aflal. Which of the deeds are best? To that he said, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, sallam, billahi wa rasulihi, qilathuma madha qala jihadun fi sabirullah, qilathuma madha qala "Hajj mabrur." Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam was asked, what are the best of deeds? What was his first answer? إِمَانٌ بِاللَّهِ وَرَسُولِيهِ Belief in Allah and the Messenger. ثُمَّ مَاذَا؟ Then what? What did the Prophet say then? Jihad فِي Fighting in the cause of Allah. ثُمَّ مَاذَا؟ Then what? حَجٍ مَمْرُولٍ حَجٍ insha'Allah. And accepted a righteous Hajj. That's the way to go. The next narration from Imam Bukhari and Imam as on the authority of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud رضي الله الله وسلم, I asked the Prophet of Allah, this is Ibn Masud. One. Right? one of the senior companions, he's been with the Prophet, according to some historians, the sixth person to accept Islam. Shudusi, from the beginning. And he's asking this question. I mean, if there was anyone that was going to get some super sophisticated prescription, it would have been him, right? Would you guys agree? How long has he been with the Prophet of Allah? his whole life. So he says, I asked the Prophet about ayur a-mali, ayur a-mali Which is the best of deeds. The Prophet wasalam, said, Pray Salah on time. ثُمَّ I asked, which one next? He said, Be kind to your parents. ثُمَّ What next? Jihadu fi Sabil. Jihad in the path of Allah. فَمَا تَرَكْتُ إِلَّا عَلَيْهِ He said, I wanted to ask more but I didn't because I didn't want to cause Rasulullah any inconvenience. As I was asking him, naturally Rasulullah ﷺ, I had to put effort into answering. And I knew every time I asked him, I was putting him in inconvenience. So, out of consideration, where are those students gone? That are willing to hold their questions back, out of consideration for the teacher. I'm, I'm telling you, next time you go to a dars, you'll notice that as soon as the sheikh finishes speaking for 45 minutes, the whole crowd comes and surrounds the table with questions. The poor man must be exhausted after speaking for one hour 45 minutes. But the Ibn Masruds don't exist anymore. They, they would say la ir'aan alayh that I didn't want to give him any convenience, so I asked him why. Someone asked Imam Malik a question once, he was in the streets. Imam Malik said, this is against the adab of ilm that we talk about it while we're just walking around. There are gatherings for that. Wait for your turn. But then the student says, but I won't get the answer to my question. Well, that's a part of the journey, buddy. Unless literally it's a fardu'ain issue that you will engage in haram by not knowing the answer, then in that case, go and ask your question. But if it's not a fardu'ain issue, you have to know that it takes time to get questions answered. It's a part of the journey. There are times where we waited for months and even years to get an answer, question from, answer from our teachers. You know, these days, alhamdulillah, we have open access, text message, and everything else that's available. But there was a time where that wasn't the case. As students, if we had seen a dream, and we wanted interpretation of the dream, our sheik al-hadith, shaykhiz at times would interpret dreams. But the method of asking that question would be, you would write your dream in a letter. This was before email. You would write it down on a piece of paper. You would then fold it, put it inside an envelope. And then, in a bigger envelope, you would put a piece of paper in there, a pen in there, and an envelope addressed to your own name. So, if the Sheikh felt he needed to write, he would not need to find a pen or a paper. He would just take, write on whatever you had given him, put it inside the same envelope, and your name would already be on there, and he would give it to any student give it to so so student and his name is on there and at times those letters would pile up on his bench you would walk past the Qutuqana and you would see the letters there and see your old stamp sitting there somewhere or see your envelope and you know it's there and it would take months sometimes to have a dream or any question answered but that was the, uh, the ira'a al-alayh that you would you, you would wait because the student shouldn't be entitled that I need my answer now like Taco Bell Islam that I order it there and by the time I come around the corner, the <laughs> everything's ready. <laughs> so he starts off with some beautiful language. Go on, you can read it. I mean if you, do you have the I open I can read it. English?
2: Yeah, read the English. No, no, no. It's a little longer,
1: he'll read it for us, inshallah,
2: all right. Abu narrates <laughs> on the authority of a person from the Kat'am tribe who said, I came to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi wasalam while he was with a group of his Sahaba. I said to him, are you the one who claims to be a messenger of Allah? Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi wasalam replied, yes. I asked, O Rasulullah, which deed is the most... Someone else, if you said that to them, they'll get angry. But the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi yes.
1: Are you the one that claims to be the Prophet of Allah? Isn't that a little much in a question? Right? Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam didn't give much attention. Yes, now, simple. Go ahead.
2: I asked the Rasulullah, which deed is the most beloved to Allah? He sallallahu alayhi wa sallam replied, belief in Allah. I asked the Rasulullah, then which deed? He sallallahu alayhi wa sallam replied, maintaining family ties. I asked the Rasulullah, then which deed? He sallallahu alayhi wa sallam replied, Commanding good and prohibiting evil. I asked the Rasulullah, which deed is the most disliked by Allah? He sallallahu alaihi wasallam replied, ascribing partners to Allah. I asked the Rasulullah, then which deed? He sallallahu alaihi wasallam replied, Serving family t- severing family ties. I asked the Rasulullah, then which deed? He sallallahu alaihi wasallam replied, commanding evil and prohibiting good.
1: Keep on. Finish the chapter.
2: There are various other hadith of this nature wherein different replies were given to questions concerning the most virtuous and most beloved of these. The difference in these replies are based on the differences among the individuals and groups or the occasions when the questions were posed. Rasulullah informed each questioner according to his need, the aspect of Islam he had not yet perfected or which had not yet reached him, that which he had an inclination towards, or that which was appropriate. Alternatively, he informed the questioner about that which was more virtuous than other deeds at the time of, this, of his question. Yeah, so a person is asking one question,
1: but Nabi sallallahu alayhi hikma baligha was such that he would give a different answer, an answer that was more needed, what was going to help that person. Go ahead.
2: For example, jihad was the most virtuous of deeds in the beginning because it was the means towards upholding and, and fulfillment of other deeds. Various proofs support each other in showing that salah is more virtuous than zakat. However, at the time of seeing the needs of a person who is in distress, zakat is more virtuous. Some of the differences in this regard could be attributed to the differences in the words of the questioner and in the consideration given by Rasulullah to various reasons which demanded pre- uh, preference. These are not confined to one specific attribute or dimension, but are diverse in nature. Further, the rank and status of virtue and good are different. Hence, the differences in the reply in, in some hadith could be based on the consideration which Rasulullah ﷺ gave to the individual differences between the various pretexts of preference and virtue. It is not appropriate to explain these at this juncture. It suffices to say that Rasulullah ﷺ taught and guided to the right way with insight and foresight. He ﷺ invited people according to their needs and what was appropriate for them may allah ta'ala send salutations
1: and peace on him and his family <laughs> Alhamdulillah. with that we finish off that chapter the next uh, chapter he he takes us through the next teaching methodology of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam the life and tawfiq we will continue this session next week ta'ala